You gotta die, gotta die, gotta die for your government! Die for your country, that shit! You, you gotta, gotta die, die, gotta die, gotta die for your government! Die for your country, that shit! Hello, hello, and welcome to another tantalizing episode of the Spinning Thoughts Podcast. This is Angelo coming at you, and I am joined not with Brandon this time. Some may be disappointed, most are probably thrilled. I am here with another good friend. He may be a better friend than Brandon. I'm here. Definitely a better friend. I'm here, as you just heard. With Mr. Jay Matthew. Jay, what's up, man? What's going on, Ange? How you doing? I'm living the dream, man. We're I, pretty excited to be here. I know you're excited because you are a fan, and so am I. Uh, but we are here right now, Jay, for, for one big reason. Because we have uh, a nice chat lined up with a certain somebody from a certain band from a certain city that we just so happen to call home. Are you ready for me to announce it? Is it Donald Trump? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, so, without further ado, please, everybody, help me welcome Mr. Pat Thetic from Pittsburgh Zone. Anti-flag. What's up, Pat? Not much. I'm, I'm living the dream, too. I'm living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it's a good life. Woo! Is that where you're at right now, is in Pittsburgh? I, I am. I'm in uh, Glenshaw right now, as a ah, matter of fact. Uh, go Buckhouse. A little bit outside the city where our offices are and where the studio is and where we uh, we do our thing. So what kind of work are you doing right now today on a, on a fine Tuesday in November? Fine Tuesday in November. I'm working <laughs> on um, uh, tour logistics with Jesse, who is our... Um, our friend slash manager he handles our uh, (laughs) and and everything else um he uh so we're trying to figure out who's going to stay with who when we're in australia because we have certain numbers of rooms and have to figure that out that's the mundane bullshit that takes up most of our lives yeah uh railing against people like donald trump is the fun part the the (laughs) stupid part is trying to figure out how we're going to get from Brisbane to Sydney and uh, who's going to stay in what room and how it's all going to work out and that's the that's the real work that has to happen so the guys in the band then you you have a pretty big role in a lot of what goes on with anti-flag then right absolutely that's uh that is helped us to um to still be interested in doing what we do um we all work on writing the songs together um uh, but in the day-to-day life, Head does um, graphics and things like that and, and T-shirt design. And uh, I do sort of the financial logistics end. Um, and then Justin and Two do sort of uh, creative. Um, Two's a much better, um, and Justin actually, both of those guys are much better at chatting with people. I get angry and just want to tell people to fuck off all the time. <laughs> so they're, they're better at uh, So we're warned now. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my goal for tonight. Yeah, when things go bad, they bring me in. They're like, Pat, all right, it's time to burn the bridge. Go in there and, <laughs> and, and light people on fire. When that needs to happen, they call me in. But Should we be concerned the time, then that, that you're the one we're talking to from Anti-Flag then? As long as you don't piss me off, it's good. You know? It'll be good. You'll hey, Ange, you remember that time Pat told us to fuck off? I, I don't remember, but I'm sure we'll <laughs> we'll hear it at some it'll, point. It'll happen. 
Yeah. We're yeah, looking so forward. That's, that's one of the, the fun things about um, what we do is that it's, it's definitely a community that we've created in a microcosm here with uh, Jesse. And we also have Chris Stowe, who uh, helps us with AF Records. So the, the uh, six of us here day to day doing the work. And then we have a community of people that tour with us as well. And like Mark Code from the band The Code. Um, who, if you've been in Pittsburgh for a long time, you'll you'll have remembered them. Right. But he's been with us for 10, 15 years as well, and he travels with us and helps us with guitar tech and stuff like that. So, it's a tight knit family. Been, yeah, it's it's been a, a a group of people that have worked together for a long time, and and it's definitely a a a little micro community, and uh, and that's the way we like it. Awesome. Well, hey, Pat, we're really thrilled to have you on. Thank you for joining us here today to kick off the podcast here. Uh, you know, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. Growing up, actually, I played in a couple bands, and a, one show we played with at one point was with a band called The Vacancy, which I think you probably remember. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the thrills of play The Vacancy rocked. I'm in the backseat looking for some action. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. I liked them because they sound like Elvis Costello. Which yeah. Yeah. Bands that I've always loved. But so one like of a, a more rock and Elvis Costello. Right. And one of the highlights of playing with them was they were signed to AF Records and you know, they were another Pittsburgh band like you guys and, and it almost felt like we were, you know, playing not with anti flag, but we just felt, you know, at, at a young age like cool to be with a band that was, you know, gaining some some fame around, you know, the small town and everything. But what I'd like to know, Pat, is you were I don't know if you were born in Pittsburgh, but you grew up in the city, right? I grew up. Uh, I'm actually from Shaler, so oh, a little geez. bit outside. The city, but, uh, <laughs> but I, but I, I live in, uh, I live in uh, the city now, and uh, I've lived in the city since I was 17 years old, or whatever. So, what was it like growing up in and around Pittsburgh for you uh, before anti-flag? Like, give us a little precursor. Well, um, I, I will tell you that there was an amazing punk rock community that was there before we. Um, we always wanted to be a band and be in the community, but we were just kids going to shows and uh, bands like Submachine and Osrotten and, uh, and um, you know, even before that, um, uh, I'm going to blank on all of the bands that, uh, <laughs> that we used to go see. But yeah, but so there was all these, um, these, these bands that were playing and there was a really uh, um, amazing community of music in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And uh, we were very lucky to be exposed to that. And then for those older bands to uh, take us under their wing and say, hey, this is how you tour. This is how you, um, this is how you release a record. And all those things that we would have never been able to figure out on our own, but because people sat us down and, and were, there wasn't any competition. It was more of a, uh, camaraderie. There was, you know, there was the, um, some rivalry, but it, everybody was really trying to help each other out. And that was pretty amazing. But so Pittsburgh, when I grew up, um, because I came from the suburbs, um, or the near suburbs as they're called nowadays, <laughs> yeah. um, they, it was, there was a lot of mediocrity and, um, and I was looking for something more interesting than that. So we would go into the city and go to shows and found, um, the place where all the fuck ups and the weirdos were. <laughs> and those are the people that made sense to us. And those are the people that, that we felt comfortable with and gravitated towards. 
So um, we've just continued to be find more fuck ups and weirdos around <laughs> us to create a community. So you and Justin are like the two longest members of Anti Flag, correct? Correct. Yeah, Justin and I actually Justin and I have been we played under ten soccer together when we were kids. So ah, we've nice. been we've been friends um, since we were very young, and we always wanted to be in a band. And both and because both of us weren't doing drugs and weren't uh, drinking, uh, nobody we didn't make sense to anybody else. So we would just sit around and play music together, and um, that's sort of how the band sort of came together. We just wanted to play music and nobody else we didn't make sense to anybody else so we hung out by ourselves so on that topic of you and justin meeting and and creating anti-flag you know it's one thing to create a band and so many people do it especially these days in this digital world it's so easy to record and get your music out there people are almost desensitized by it but um for you and justin and the original members of of anti-flag was there something in particular that inspired you and the band to not just create a punk band, but one that truly had something to say? Anti-Flag has, and I think always will be, provocative? Is that the right way of, of saying it? I mean, you guys have always well, had something to say. So it's interesting because we didn't realize this until we traveled around to other cities and other countries around the world. And that Pittsburgh is very unique in the in the the bringing together of a very um, socially progressive like union workers history, but also with like this really backwards sort of racist weird um, thing that goes on in Pittsburgh as well with the rivers and everything and the separation of different communities. Yeah. So we always thought that music was, or for me personally, thought that music unless it was had a message or unless it had was getting work done it was of no value so things that were just beautiful or things that were you know just sounded great were of no value to me unless it was making a statement or getting work done nice so that made sense because all the other bands that we grew up with were also in the same vein and it wasn't just the punk rock bands even bands like rusted root right which is a hippie band they also had a social aspect of it. And I think it's just what comes out of when you grow up in, in Pittsburgh and are exposed to these ideas. But you realize that when you go and you, you know, place like you play in a place like LA and there's these bands that are playing and they're just making music. And you're like, what's the point of any of that? If it's not getting work done, it's just fluff and not worth anything. So over time I've been able to appreciate non-political music a little bit, but not much, but <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that was something that really in that Pittsburgh has that is unique uh, all over the world and, and doesn't really um, there are other cities don't have that that thing that Pittsburgh has that, um, you know, and it's still going on today. There's still um, activists. There's still it's funny because like with the Trump election. Um, there's like cities that are like, oh, San Francisco went off and there were protests everywhere and, and New York City, which you would expect, but a city as small as Pittsburgh that also is having people in the streets, um, it's sort of unusual that a the city of the size of Pittsburgh yet is still has that activist component to it, um, even though the all the labor jobs are gone. Yeah, and we're definitely going to dive a little bit more into 
the election cycle that we just witnessed and our president elect and things like that here in a few minutes on our emperor, whatever you want to call. It. Yeah, um, we're going to dive into that a little bit more with you, Pat. Uh, but one thing I wanted to understand was at the beginning of anti-flag again your first album i mean you came out and and clearly there was a message and you were trying to promote the fact that you had something to say so what was the main goal for anti-flag at the beginning stages well there's there was a couple of things one we were just angry kids and we were pissed off at the world and and that anger is still in us um it's just that at that time it was just really um, unfocused anger. Um, but the other thing that I don't know whether you realize is that in 1991, we had the Gulf War and the first Gulf War. And there was a lot of talk of draft and things like that. And as a young conscientious objector, um, that was there, that those ideas of, uh, militarism and nationalism and what that means. And if you wrap yourself in a flag, anything that you have to say becomes godlike. Um, that was all we saw through that bullshit and realized that um, we needed to comment on that as young people, because um, if it went, if the, the first Gulf War went south, we were afraid that it was going to be a Vietnam thing and they were going to start drafting right. um, young people. So, those those ideas are definitely what is in that that music of die for the government and and also then the reality of the the weird punk rock community that we grew up in those um those idiosyncrasies also come out and uh in that record and and the funny thing is those the ideas that we talk about and some people are like oh well those are juvenile and they're not that important but those those ideas keep coming up over and over and over again and even in even if you're not in a punk rock community you know um you know people who exhibit some of the things that we talk about in some of that music and you're like oh yeah it's not punk rock but these these small groups have these people that you know that people were talking that anti-fly was talking about in 1996 um so yeah so there's there was the agenda of anti-flag has always been to think for yourself and not follow blindly. And, um, that is, and treat each other with respect. And I think that has been expressed, um, throughout the history of, of anti-flag. Absolutely. So 20 years ago, die for the government came out. That's, that's awesome in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. It, the fact that, we're able to still play music uh, 20 years later after releasing that record. And we wrote that record in a, uh, in a basement up on Chesterfield. I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with Oakland at all, yep. but Chesterfield used to be the, uh, I think now it's a little bit more posh than it used to be, but it used to be where all the dirty kids hung out and, <laughs> uh, and rented, rented cheap houses and had big parties and stuff. So um, yeah, that's where that record was, uh, was written and uh and it still has it still has some things to say that are important absolutely the the topics are relevant and 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 they have come back around full circle um but another interesting idea that i was you know thinking of as i was writing up some of these questions and getting ready to talk to you again being from pittsburgh anti-flag 
you know, is a staple in the music community in my mind. Um, but, you know, the band, you guys were young when you all first started out. And the message behind your music was extremely mature and insightful for such a young age. So did you struggle at the beginning? Did you notice a struggle at the beginning getting your message out, getting the music out? Did people not take you seriously because you were young punks? Just, you know, what was that experience like? Well, yeah. And uh, we, we have had a thing that, uh, uh, that we've done for years is that we've been 19 since we were, since it was 1996. And we did get a little bit of pushback because we were young. And we also, it was funny because there was an uh, old older gentleman called the old man who had a radio show in Erie and put on shows that we'd go and play. And he would um, actually tour with us sometimes. And he was probably in his mid forties, maybe when he was uh, back in the nineties and he, everybody was like, Oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about because he's an old guy. And then we were, <laughs> we also did a tour with uh, a band called DBS from Canada and, and they were like, they were younger than us. They were probably in their third, they're in four, 13, 14. And people were like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about because they're young kids. And I think, and so we got this idea that it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're saying something that's important and relevant, then, then you have value. And so we decided we'd be 19 forever just because we felt as though that was an age that people would take us seriously forever, which I don't know if that's true or not, but it made sense to us at the time. But yeah, we, we got a lot of pushback from um, people who wanted to beat us up because we were saying things that they didn't like yeah. or, um, or wanted to, uh, yeah, just want, because we, all, all progressive people, the response to progressive ideas is always violence. So we experienced that a lot. And so it wasn't people telling us we didn't, we shouldn't talk about these things because we're young so much as the, uh, they didn't take us seriously because we were young, but it was more, we're going to beat you up because uh, of your, we don't like your ideas. And that is what we got a lot more than, uh, than too much of the, the ageism. But yeah, the ideas that we had in Die for the Government were ideas that, that we'd been talking about and we'd, and because we were, this whole Gulf war was going on and Justin, uh, came from his family was, uh, was pretty progressive. His father is an Irish immigrant and they went through the whole, um, uh, Ireland and the UK and England fighting and the, the, um, the IRA and all that stuff. So there was a lot of talk of politics around his dinner table and there were a lot of talk of politics around uh, my dinner table as well so for you pat and anti-flag i guess but what does punk mean to you guys to you in particular and to the band um for me personally i will i i don't know whether it's punk but i think that music as i said earlier needs to be doing work and I think punk rock at its best is speaking about ideas that aren't in the mainstream or speaking about people who are outside of the mainstream. And so when punk rock is at its best, it is talking and giving voices to those ideas and those people. Um, 
it, that and then when you say that then that doesn't mean, I'm not too I'm not very concerned about how fast the song is or what how many chords there are or yep. what the structure is my goal is how do I get this this anger and this frustration and this idea out about these things that people are not aware of and that for me is punk rock so um but if you want to play um violin and play punk rock violin and get that <laughs> anger and frustration out you should do that yellow card um, try it right i'm not yeah yellow, yellow card has tried to do that i don't know whether there's much anger in there but no. there's something <laughs> they're, in there they're, they're pretty happy but they've got power chords so so is punk yeah. is punk so, more in, in the message more in in the lyrics maybe i guess you could say than in the like, as you were saying like the fast you know pace beat the the chord for sure. structure yeah for sure for me yeah 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 for me absolutely and that, and I was and I'm only speaking for myself um is that I have a very utilitarian vision of uh punk rock and that it's it it, it needs to achieve a goal and if it's not achieving the goal then it's it's useless and and not interesting um but the other guys in the band are have a little are a little bit more open to different ideas than that. But, but I will say, to get a representation of that anger and that frustration is playing fast because the faster the beat is, the the more aggression that feels like it comes out from me. Um, so I think there is an element of speed to it. Um, you can get it in there when it's going a little bit slower, but it's harder. So do you think, I mean, getting all that aggression out, people are always going to be angry, right? Stuff always going to happen. Is punk dead? Is rock dead? Kanye West keeps telling me it is, but I don't know if I believe him. <laughs> well, Kanye West can fuck off. So, uh, there we go. Is, Somebody's well, fucking he, off. The, 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 the Somebody pissed off Kanye Pat. Was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The unfortunate thing is Kanye West is probably going to run for president in 2000. Oh, jeez. Uh, That'll be eight more years for you guys of just and, good music. Yeah, and uh, because he's as much of an egomaniac as Trump is. So, and it, what we've learned is that uh, egomaniacs and uh, can uh, can win elections. So, yeah, there's there may be a uh, potential for that. But um, do I think that um, that punk rock is dead? I think there's always a group of young people in a basement somewhere creating music in their own image. And it may not be considered punk rock. It may just be called rock and roll. It may be called something else. But those people are going to say it in a slightly different way, and people are going to take notice, and they'll probably call it something else. But that anger and that frustration and that passion about speaking uh, about truth and about things that you you that are important to those people in that basement that everybody else doesn't know about yet, and they're going to talk about it. Um, so I don't think that it, that can ever be dead. I think that it's the um, it'll change and it'll morph, but it'll always be a human condition to try and express that. So, hey, Pat, um, the band has always been, Anti-Flag has always been very vocal in social issues, human rights, political topics, things like that. If you could ensure one change in the country or the world, Right now, what would it be and why? Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Too many things. These, we, get these, we get these questions a lot. Uh, the, 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 the answer would be to um, 
there's two things you had to get rid of all um all weaponry and the and the um and the uh the sale of weaponry the u.s sells a lot of weaponry uh, russia sells a lot of weaponry and the only reason to produce weaponry is to kill other people so you get rid of that and then then a redistribution of wealth so that all people have as much as they need um and i think that if we did those two things then we wouldn't uh we wouldn't need the weaponry because people would have what they needed and uh and that would get rid of a lot of fear um, that uh, obviously white people in the U.S. are afraid of everybody. That's why they voted for Trump. Right. Well, they're afraid they that, that their fear. privilege, yeah, is about to be taken away from them. Well, absolutely. And it's and it's the reality and the, the belief that somebody else is always getting their share, <laughs> which I don't right. understand why. Why they go to church every every Sunday and that and they say that uh, that we want to give to the poor we want to give to everybody else but for some reason white people think that somebody else got their share and they're angry about it. Jay, you, were you going to say something? I was just going to say. I mean, is that something that you guys ever think about? You've got people like you know Donald Trump that obviously the redistribution of wealth isn't going anywhere with a guy like that taking over. Do you, are you ever concerned that like somebody like that, you guys are going to write an awesome album and it's going to have a lot to do with how terrible he is. I'm sure. But do you ever like wonder if somebody like that's going to come and fight with anti-flag, like he fight, fights with SNL or Hamilton or. Um, I'm not concerned about him having a, a Twitter war with us <laughs> or like that. But I, but I do think that there's a very real possibility of curtailing uh, right freedom of speech and things like that because yeah. what we've he's already said that um, he thinks that the media needs to be curtailed and right. I'm I think the media it's yeah I think there's a lot of work to be done with media but I think that uh, to get rid of media and not to have a watchdog of the powerful is. Um, is a challenge and when the media is a watchdog of the powerful then they're doing their job when they become right acquiescent to the powerful or acquiesce to the powerful then they're not doing their job and they fail everybody when that happens so um what trump is saying is i don't want them to be a watchdog of me um which is very um scary to me and if then he says well these people say things that i don't like so they sh therefore they shouldn't be able to say it um, that could be very um, – that could change uh, the way we live um, forever. It, it's one of the most important, you know, rights that we have is to be able to speak, you know, what we're thinking and voice our opinions and challenge others and challenge opinions. And That's why I came first. And that and to take that away would be a very scary uh, notion. Yeah, and that's – yeah, and that's the um, the uh, the idea of podcasting is is why that's important to to us and me personally because I believe that the more voices you have in the dialogue, the better off we are as a culture to find the right answer. And when we limit those voices, um, it's it's not good for anybody. Right on, man. And that's what we're trying to do is just to, yeah. to help spread the word. And 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 that's why it's also such an honor to have you on here, Pat. To be honest with you, because you know, in the very first episode of the Spinning Thoughts podcast, and as you mentioned when we first talked, this is episode 16, so we're still in our infancy, but in the very first episode, Brandon and I talked about 
the, the title of the episode is Music with a Purpose. And we want to see more musicians and artists use their platform to speak out against inhumane acts that are going on, um, things that need to be corrected and, and changed. And I and I think that's awesome as a goal, but I, you can't. Here's here's one of the dramas is that you can't force people to write what they're not passionate about. Right. And just for us, we are passionate about these issues. We are passionate about human rights. We are passionate about economic justice and social justice, social justice issues. So those are things that we can write about. You can't. And and I for me, I. I would say you should and everybody, every artist or whatever you call yourself, musician should create whatever they think is appropriate. I can still think it's bullshit and crap, but <laughs> if it, if you're passionate about it, you should do that. I don't think because people are like, well, you should, everybody should uh, write songs about political struggles. And, and I don't think that's necessarily true because I think it's, you can't force people to, but I do believe in, if you find people who are saying things that you think are of value, to lift those people and those ideas up so more people have access to them. And I think there's, that is definitely a noble cause. And I, uh, and I encourage you to continue to do that because that's, yeah, we need more, more, more spaces to talk about issues that are important and less spaces to talk about Kardashians and <laughs> uh, Kanye sure. West. Well, and, and that's a, that's a very cool thought. And, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I appreciate you saying that now, um, on a different, we're speaking to the choir where we'll just, we'll just break our arms, patting ourselves on the back. <laughs> yeah. We, we're all friends here. There, there's nothing, nothing harmful in this podcast. But I you guess. know what, what you said might've been impactful to one of our like millions of viewers. So. Yeah. It was cause we have so many of those millions. Yeah. Um, so, Good. so Pat anti-flag on a different topic, um, Anti-Flag last year in 2015 released uh, the the latest studio album, American Spring. Um, So what was the band trying to accomplish with this album? Different from maybe some in the past. There's still tangents of it there. But what was the band trying to accomplish? Well, uh, the the title American Spring was um, a reference to um, revolution that uh, that went across the mid middle middle east in um 2011 from tunisia to egypt to syria and how to celebrate those people who saw freedom and saw their neighbors and said we can have this we can have a world where um we have freedom of speech and democracy and things like that and that was a very noble cause now the unfortunate thing is what we see in 2016 is there always is a shitty guy who um, wants to have the control himself and ruin it for everybody else. Um, but so that's what we were celebrating and talking about those issues. But then we are also with the record cover, we are talking about or trying to express ideas of other and ourselves. And uh, if you're familiar with the record cover, it's a, um, it's a woman in a, in a, in a hijab with a flower over her face and the flower is sort of, uh, disintegrating. Right. And when we, we were, had these images in our office and a friend of ours came in and saw the picture of the woman with the hijab and the flower over. And he said, that's sort of interesting. That's very provocative. And we said, okay. And then we flipped it over and showed him the, the, the U S soldier with the same thing. And he said, Oh, you can't do that. And we said, well, why, why can't we do that? 
And he said, because that's a, that's shooting that guy in the head. And I said, well, did you see that shooting? The flower is shooting the woman in the head. And he's like, well, yeah, but she's Muslim. And we we're like, well, then why, what's that? What's that juxtaposition wow. there? Right. And we were trying so, to have that conversation of if you're a police officer, do you see the the young black man with the hoodie on? Do you think that it, that that makes sense? Whereas you don't if you're a, a, a person of the military or if you're a young punk rock kid and how you see those different images. And that's sort of where we are trying to go with that artwork to make people realize that, A, these are all human beings and we all have different biases depending on who we interpret those people to be. It seems like so that, that was, that's hard for people to digest sometimes and even understand. I don't get that. I don't know why it's so hard, but the, the fact that we're all human and we're, you know, in this together, people don't seem to get that. Well, yeah, and to, to take that to the next step, we talk about the immigration issue of um, in the U.S. and the refugee issues of the refugees coming out of the Mideast and um, and in Europe, how they're trying to cope with these the refugees and and in the U.S., how the U.S. doesn't want them. And now while we're with Trump, um, he definitely doesn't want to have um, people from that place in the, the world to come to the U.S., but it takes me back to the 1930s when the um, the ship with all the Jewish um, refugees went around the world trying to find a place to go because they were trying to es es escape Nazi Germany. And they came to the U.S. and the U.S. sent them back and how all those people went then were forced to go back to Germany and were put into the death camps and were killed. And you you we look back at that that history and we say, well, we would never do that. We, we've progressed since then. We know how the, the terrors of Nazi Germany and we would, we're much better off than that. But it's the same thing when others come, when I use others in quotes, when people who are not like us come to, or we perceive to not be like us, come to our shore to ask for help, we turn them away. And what happens is there's nowhere for them to go. And right. if they go back home, they get killed. And, um, yeah, when we look back in 2015 and 2016 history, when in 30 years, hopefully we're just as embarrassed by the behavior and hopefully we'll learn the next time not to behave that way. So is that just, is that new materials or a new album on the way? You guys got a lot of, you know, world peace and Trump and a lot of things going on. What's, uh, what's going through the creative process right now? Well, just, just seeing the, the, uh, <laughs> it's almost, it's almost, like we don't want to write about it because it's too easy to write yeah. about. It's not <laughs> interesting to us. Story, everybody knows that Trump is a, is a piece of shit and, uh, and there's, there's no real interesting element there. Um, so the luckiest question people, for us is the luckiest is people in the world are late night hosts, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're pulling. Yeah. They don't have to, they don't have to come up with anything creative. They could just read the news and it's, right. it's there. But for us, so we're trying to figure out a way of, of, talking about these issues in an interesting way and um yeah and the yeah if we're not sure what how we're going to tackle well, it yet and that in the emphases of writing that touches upon there's there's a large group of people who disagree with those who are protesting donald trump winning the presidency they are calling these individuals crybabies they're throwing tantrums and what i think there's a lack of is, is really understanding what these protests are about. The protests are not about 
Donald Trump's policies, which who even knows where he stands at this point because he's not even no. following through with what he said throughout the election cycle. If he, he said anything at yeah. all. Right. But what they're protesting is not policy because every election there's going to be a group of people, a large group of people that disagree with the individual who was elected. What's being protested right now is human rights, is the fear that certain demographics of people or genders or what have you are in severe danger. Do you agree with that? I Yeah, I agree with you, but I, 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 I agree with your statement, the, how you got to it. I think that we, we are protesting um, his policies that he we think he's going to implement. So we we are protesting the fact that the KKK thinks they won because yeah. Donald Trump won the election. We are protesting the idea that he that a man who says that he is rich and therefore he can do whatever he wants and grab grab women um, is going to be the leader of the free world. So those things are. Um, ideas that we are protesting. The fact that that the Democrats lost the election, I don't think that is that is irrelevant to me because the Democrats are a piece of shit too. So there's no there's no Hillary Clinton wasn't going to save us. Now no. she wasn't going to. Um, she's not as uh, take us back right fifty years and yeah, is is Donald Trump. But she is not my savior either. No. Um, so, so having said that, uh, yeah, the people people should be in the streets because the one thing that I've learned um, in the twenty plus years that we've been doing this is that change never comes from the top down; it always comes from the bottom up. Right. And if we have people in the streets, then the the politicians have to pay attention. Um, to the people in the streets. And they're always going to spin it as these are rabble rousers or they're paid protesters, which I've never met a paid protester, but um, <laughs> they always spin it as these people's views are need to be diminished in some way. But to get people to go out in the streets on a cold night and to protest is very difficult. So they have to be motivated right. for some reason. And, uh, and the fear of Donald Trump's policies and what he will do with his power in the white house is very scary to a lot of us so that being said i mean he riled up a lot of really bad people right and there are people protesting all over the place you guys have a huge platform and you know protest punk or whatever you want to call it what's the outreach reach been like to anti-flag since this is all settled well it's it's much like it, it, it was interesting because everybody did the same thing um we all looked to our heroes for answers and um, not that I uh, let me rephrase that. I looked to my heroes for answers on the day after the elections. And, uh, you know, we went to the Noam Chomsky stuff and went to, you know, Democracy Now and went to places of and tried to get some type of um, understanding of how to how to fit this all into our our brains. But a lot of people came to our website looking for answers as well and thought, well, maybe anti-flag has the answers to this. And I, I will tell you that we don't have the answers, <laughs> but I will tell you that if all of us come together and we will find those answers and we will um, we will make our voices as loud as possible and make other people pay attention to us. So that's that's all that we have. We don't have any answers, but we have um a uh, a passion for 
human rights and a passion for fighting for things that we believe in. And uh, hopefully other people will have that passion as well. And, and we will all, we will all move forward. Now, Pat, um, on American Spring, there is a track called Without End. And recently, this month of November, Anti-Flag has done some things to the track. You've remixed it. You've added in a couple artists uh, to kind of uh, dive deeper into the song. Now, um, we're going to play this track in its entirety here on the podcast. But I wanted to give you a, a quick opportunity to just bring our listeners up to speed on the track and why you decided to pick this particular track from American Spring to to almost re-release now in 2016. Well, yeah. So this this track we uh, we went to uh, one of our friends POS. He's a, a, a rapper, and he and we said, hey, do you want to do a a verse on this? And uh, he put an amazing verse on it. And um, and Tom Morello, who um, was on it originally, we did some uh, stuff with his. Uh, guitar solo and really really ramped it up so the song is is been remixed and and it 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 features pos and tom morello from rage against the machine and then we did this um this 360 video that you can see on facebook and uh youtube you have to go to i think you have to go to the facebook page to see it on youtube but it's a video that's shot in 360 surround so you can look at all the different places as you move your phone around um you can see so it's it's this pretty cool technology so not only is it uh it, it the song um i i enjoy the song that we wrote and then adding pos to it and then adding the uh, 360 video to it it makes it um it, it's pretty interesting if you uh, get a chance if even if you hate the song just <laughs> to see the video it's uh in pos and and uh tom morello playing it's it's pretty amazing it is a cool use of technology it's it's one of the first times i've seen a band or an artist utilize that 360 technology to shoot a video so definitely check it out Um, and so what we want to do right now for our listeners is play the remix of without end it originally was on american spring released in may of 2015 uh, but with pos and tom morello we are now going to play in its entirety without end so let's do it here we go
So that was Without End, the remix version from Anti-Flag with Tom Morello and P.O.S. Jay, what'd you think of it? Remix! <laughs> you should have got Kanye West on that track now uh, that I think about it. Right, because we didn't already establish that he's a piece of shit. You wanna uh, make, but you want to make a big statement. He might be president in 2020. He might be the next guy He's up. hospitalized right now, isn't he? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know and either. Kim got robbed. I don't Who pay knows? attention. Yeah, what are they doing? <laughs> So, Pat, any final thoughts on uh, the song Without End and, and and really the approach on taking this song and, and and bringing it back into the focal point at this point of time? Yeah, well, so um, one of the things about uh, Without End and, and one of the things that we touch on off the record is that these debates about uh, climate change or debates about whether um, – uh, yeah, whether we should have tax cuts or what, or all that bullshit. The debates are over. There is no debate about whether climate change is real. It right. is real. It's there's no question about it. There's there there is a refugee crisis. We created it with weapons and climate and all the other things that we've done in the in the uh, in the Middle East. So it is our responsibility. There's no debate about it. It is real. It is when you drop bombs on people's heads, they don't want to live there. They want to go somewhere else. Right. You, you have to give them a place to go. So that's one of the things about this record and, and, and without end is that, that we continue to do these things and continue to debate them. But the debate, we've already figured it out. It's over. And the, the information is very clear. Um, these things are real. We need to manage them and can't just continue to say, well, uh, experts disagree because the only experts that disagree are the ones that are being paid to disagree by the Republican. They're Party. the ones that aren't actually experts is the thing. But they're the ones that are in the cabinet now. So, <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. They've all been they've all been put into the uh, government power positions. Yeah, right. we're that, that's a scary, scary. I don't know if you heard, Pat, but we're going to build a wall. <laughs> and Mexico is going to pay for it. I hear. I hear that's what's going to happen. Yeah, none of that's actually so going to happen. Here's one of the things, and and I'm going to go off on something here as well. Please and, do. Um, and and this this blew my mind that when um, they're talking about AT and T buying Time Warner, and one of the things that came out about that is how um, successful CNN as a business has been, not as a news company, but as a a a profit generating machine cnn is done amazingly well this election cycle which you can imagine because um, people are paying it more attention to the news cnn right. is news they sell advertising so one of the things that this that's one of the um the um the higher ups at uh, cnn said was we got on the trump train really early in the election process and started covering him um in covering his rallies because it was great for ratings. So what that yep. says to me is that CNN made a conscious effort to give Trump all this media time, which I think intellectually they thought, well, we'll give him this media time and then we'll tear him down at the end before the election. But what we've learned is that CNN and these these media companies actually created Donald Trump yes. and created him as a pr president yep. for profit motives, not because it was good for the country, not because it was good for anything else other than sheer profit for them because they knew they could sell more ads when they had Donald Trump on. And so that 
that thing that they did to make profit has now ruined many people's lives and so, um, could be horrible for the world just because CNN wanted to make more money. Do you think he caught on and took advantage of that, or do you think that it was just dumb luck? No, I think that he's a very intelligent um, self-promoter. I think in, in rock and roll— definitely knew. And in, it's a reality yeah, show, right? And, and, he just made a personality. Yeah, it, yeah, and one of the things that we've learned through our activism is earned media is a um, is when you're covered in newspapers and things like that that you don't have to pay for the ads, but your name is getting out there. So in in political activism, because there's never any money, one of the tactics is always to go to news media and try and get them to write stories about you so you can get your points across, which is a tactic that everybody uses. But Donald Trump was able to use that to an exponential degree because he was on the media 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and the, which is not a problem except for the fact that these companies did not have a conscience or any realization of what they were actually creating. They were only worried about creating the profit, which is a fundamental problem with, um, with for-profit media. So, so that was an eye-opening uh, understanding for me that CNN actually said to the can actually say with pride right. that we we created Donald Trump by putting him on our TV station 24 hours a day. Welcome and to America. Made him into everything. Made, yeah, made sold. him into yeah. a presidential figure. Yeah. So, so uh, when you say how did Donald Trump become elected, it was a conscious effort by places like cnn right to make him president right and you know donald trump played dumb a little bit i don't think he was you know incoherent to it i mean he hated on the media and, and i think he will continue well, that, to do yeah. so they're going to keep profiting well, from it thing. for four years at well, least exactly right? that's that that's the amazing thing is that they showed him they would they would have him on for like 10 15 minutes and he would say, look at this media. They are so horrible. They're so horrible. So he's, on one hand, um, using them for his, ability, or for his um, publicity machine, but at the same time saying about how horrible they are. So the crazy uh, redneck guy who thinks CNN is the right. devil can feel good about And um, would pay nothing for it either. You know, America. and that's the other, yeah. not that I agree with the fact that, you know, money can you know, get you on TV or get you a platform or in this scenario, maybe buy you an election. But the fact is, is that he spent very little compared to maybe other candidates on Absolutely. Air yeah, Hillary. Yeah. Hillary uh, spent like three or four times as much as he did. Right. But he was on the, he was on the news every day. Um, one of the things that one of our quotes that we used uh, of Mumia Abu Jamal, cause he had a statement, which was very, that we went to after, talking about going to our heroes after a uh, after election day and, and listening to what they have to say. And he said, when a billionaire tells you that an election is rigged, it's true. It's rigged in his favor. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that is true. It is rigged and it is rigged in his favor. Well, isn't it nuts? Because he was saying that. He was saying that it was going to be rigged if he lost. And now that yeah. he won, it's not rigged at all. 
you know. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything. Well, it's rigged. It's rigged in his favor. Yeah. He's right. gonna win. Billionaires are gonna win in America no matter what. That's yeah. how it goes. And and that's part of the problem. Yeah. Now, um, hey Pat, so part of the reason why we wanted to get you on the podcast, obviously we like talking about, you know, the political spectrum that we're existing in right now, and that's been a staple of anti flag for a long time. But uh part of the reason why we wanted to chat with you briefly was um you anti-flag are about to uh set off on a really awesome uh tour with uh, another band real big fish a band that i would assume many people have heard of it's like my high school fantasy (laughs) um it's it's amazing that the two of you guys are are doing this together i don't know if in the past anti-flag and real big fish have set out on an endeavor like this but um bring us up to speed uh, our listeners on what this tour is about, what you're hoping to accomplish from it, your excitement level, things like that. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a U.S. tour. We're going to do all the U.S. in January, which is going to be really cold. But um, <laughs> we're going to be in, in in Pittsburgh on January 11th. Yep. Um, it's Stage AE, and it's going to be us, Real Big Fish, Ballyhoo, mm-hmm. and Direct Hit. And we're going to be playing um, – Almost all of Die for the Government. There's awesome. a couple nice. songs that we're like, we're not playing those songs. But so it's going to be very heavy. Die for the Government is how we're wording it. Nice. Um, so if you if you love Die for the Government, and you love those songs. We're going to play a lot of those songs, and um, we usually only play a couple in a set. So we're going to go pretty deep into it. So if you if you love those songs or those songs connected with you as a young person or even as an adult, um, come out and see that. So that's January 11th in uh at pittsburgh it's in pittsburgh i feel like you're doing my job for me i had all that written down i was gonna announce it i was gonna really (laughs) i'm super pumped you can do that as well but i will tell you that jesse jones wrote it all down for me and and a big shout out to jesse too because i was talking to him before the podcast he's been a big help to to kind of get this all set up so thank you jesse for that and for your notes i didn't know about I didn't know about the die for the government, you know, kind of kind of focus here. I was really excited yep, about it, but so, that's still one of my favorite anti-flag albums. That was the first punk album that I ever purchased, so I'm really excited to th- see that. There you go. So it's going to be good, and you're going to see whether uh, whether I can still play them that fast as <laughs> I did in 1996. Pat, so we'll see is how it still as angry? Pat, I, th- I think that actually what Jay was getting at, and he maybe he's too shy to ask, but I think he was asking for a signed copy. I mean, I don't know. I just His <laughs> face, I can see it. It's all blushing. He's smiling. It's kind of embarrassing. Who knows? Maybe we'll be there. Maybe we'll end up backstage. I don't know. <laughs> So, hey, well, so- I, I will I will do my best to have a sharpie. So if you happen to come around, uh, I'll try and have a sharpie. Strangely enough, yeah, he so carries we- three with him at all times. Sometimes no, just four. In case, just in case, <laughs> just in well, case he exactly runs into you just- guys. I'm not going to bring the album yeah. though. You're going to have to sign me. I'm a big guy. Okay. You have lots of space to write on. Um, hey, Pat. So. Go. Like you said, January 11th, Stage AE, Anti-Flag, Real Big Fish, Ballyhoo, um, you guys are all going to be playing. For for you and Anti-Flag being a Pittsburgh-grown band, what is it like to come back home and on a large tour like this play back in Pittsburgh? Is it different than other shows? Is it just another one? What, what's it like? Well, it's 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 always it's always cool to play in Pittsburgh because you realize that these people get you. And uh, like I said, when you go to L.A., sometimes the people don't get you because they're not they didn't grow up in this town and don't understand where what where we came from. So that's always a good thing. Um, but 
the other thing is that our friends and family come out to the show and that's always pretty awesome because they don't get to see us a lot because we're traveling around other places um, most of the year. So to be able to play for our friends and family, that's always a, a good thing too. So it's, it's always great to play in Pittsburgh and, and this is going to be a, a, a really big show and it's going to be a lot of fun. And real big fish is also going to play one of their, their big uh, records as well. So a lot of people are going to be really excited for the show and it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I've never had the opportunity to see you guys in a bigger venue. You know, Stage AE holds a lot more people than I'm used to seeing. Do you guys ever miss playing those intimate shows for family and friends at people like Smalls when you come home? Well, absolutely. And it's interesting because um, sometimes we'll play in Europe and we'll play a festival and we'll play like the, we played a festival of 300,000 people. And then uh, you're like, wow, this you're so out of touch. And especially <laughs> me because I play drums and I'm in the back and yeah. everybody's like 30 or 40 feet away at the, you know, at the closest. And you're like, oh, I just want to play in a small room. And then you play in a small room and it's great. And everybody's right there and they're spitting on you and sweating and everything. And everybody's really connected. And then you're like, fuck, I wish I had vegan catering today. And had a <laughs> meal, but you get what you get at the uh, big festival show. So it is, we're incredibly lucky because we can go back and forth between playing a huge festival somewhere and then playing a basement show the next day. So we, because of that, we are able to get both of those experiences, which is, um, which is really awesome. And we're really lucky. I know a lot of other bands who don't have that, um, that ability. And we've, um, we've been very lucky to be able to do that. So we're winding down to the end of this podcast, and actually, Pat, you've stayed a little bit longer than we had told you, so we appreciate you accommodating. There's there's two more questions we want to ask you. Um, one of them, I have actually been wanting to ask, not just anti-flag, I feel like anti-flag gets, you'll, I'll ask the question so you'll know in a second, but I feel like anti-flag gets what I'm about, about to ask you a lot, other bands um, get this let me just ask the question. So I'm just, I've just been curious. So a term I have had trouble understanding in relation to bands and music is selling out. Okay. And I know you guys have yes. gotten asked this many times, but let me, let me finish the question. So critics have stated that anti-flag has sold out throughout maybe portions of your career when you signed to RCA some are even saying with doing the remixes of Without End. Uh, why do you believe that some people think this way when a band grows in popularity, when they take steps to reach a larger demographic, and when a band works harder to define their craft? Why does Anti-Flag and maybe other bands get that ridiculous umbrella put over top of them? Well, first of all, I will tell you that I will be the first one to tell you some band they're sold out. Because <laughs> I, uh, I was an angry punk rock kid, and I remember the Queers came to town, and they had a bus, and you're like, fuck them. They're sold out. We don't care about them. So, um, so it's only karma that, that people would say that about me. Um, but the interesting thing about us is that I was told I was a sellout in 1996 when we released our record ourselves because we actually had a record to release wow. we actually made a seven inch yeah. and then we were told we were sellouts when we released the cd and and now people are like oh you're a sellout because you did this you did that and i get it when you have something that you're passionate about 
and it's only yours. And then it becomes, as in your mind, co-opted by the people that you don't like, right. that that makes you say, oh, they're now it's not me who is like something that everybody else likes. It's that they've changed. And throughout our whole career, and I think this is not just, obviously not just music, but people use uh, music and culture and art as a yardstick to define them. And when they have to change their opinion of themselves because of what the artist or person that they like has done, then that makes them angry and they want to find a way to express that anger and in telling somebody that they're sold out is a way of doing that. It's interesting to me because I, um, a little known fact about me is that I, uh, worked with Mr. Rogers for a while. Wow. That is little known. That tight Pittsburgh family, (laughs) right? And, and far reaching. Um, and one of the things that I found interesting in, uh, that was that there was, um, uh, they were doing, uh, Oh, it was so, we were in a in a room reading the script for the, the new episodes that were coming up, and um, there's an uh, Arthur was an is another children's um, yep. I guess it's like a cartoon. Yeah. So the kid the kid who was doing Arthur's voice was coming to be on Mister Rogers, and they were talking about the Arthur business model versus the Mister Rogers business model, and Mister Rogers was very. Um, they didn't want to do any product placement or do any um, make any products that were just like toys and things like that for kids because they were very much keeping their brand as tight as they could and they they had a mission with it. And Arthur, um, that that television show had all these different toys and everything. And I remember being in this this um, this reading and talking about this the, these two groups coming together and how they were. The Arthur people, they didn't actually use the term sellout, but that's what they were implying, that this other tele- children's television show was a sellout television <laughs> show because they were children's doing TV all these toys. And, yeah, and Mr. Jeez. Rogers was keeping it pure by not doing all these toys. And it just, again, was another example of how these things are part of culture. They're not just in punk rock. We think that they're just a punk rock thing, but they're in all all small um, niche uh, types of things that people think that one person's doing it in the right way and one person's not, and whoever's not is a sellout. And at, so, the, end of, at the end of the day, you guys are still winded. doing the gang vocals. You've still got the you know message and different sorts of things like that. So well, the music yeah, and, the music has and, matured, and, and, but the message the I think re- remains the same. And actually, I think it's more intelligent and more um, aggressive now than it was when we were young. We were just angry at the world. Now we're like, okay, these are the things that we are specifically angry at, and then we can make an argument as to why. So, sure, people can tell me I'm a sellout all the time. I don't give a fuck. You can tell me anything. (laughs) You tell them to fuck off, right? Yeah, I'm going to continue to create the music that I'm passionate about, and if you don't like it, Go fucking somewhere else. I don't care. Right. If you do like it, come and be part of it. And and that so that's how we've we've dealt with these things. Um, but I am not, uh, you know, I am not going to be like, well, don't call me a sellout. I don't care. You can call me a sellout. <laughs> I called people sellouts in my past. I'll probably call people sellouts in my future. <laughs> um, so 
I was, I, I'm not afraid of that. And I know that as being a, a kid in a punk rock band and continuing to love that music, that that's part of this culture. Well, and damn it, I'm Pat. I feel it. like the Spinning Thoughts podcast is now sold out because we're talking to well, you. You're, you're yeah. clearly Jesus, God, well, what you were we what? thinking? I'm not even a full-time member, and I'm a hell of a sellout. <laughs> it's, it's not that you talk to me. It's that you talk to Greg from the Bouncing Souls. Cause they're oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you listened to it. It was a good it was the a Bouncing good interview. Those are one of my favorite bands, and Greg is amazing. I, and I'm, I'm just I'm I've been feeling dirty out. for the last couple of weeks, <laughs> ever since Greg Adonito and now Pathetic <laughs> from Anti Flag. Plus, I gotta, he hasn't showered. I just got to get it. I got to yeah. jump in the yeah. shower right now yeah. and wipe all this sellout Nothing off of me. But- Nothing but sellouts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but going back to then, Real Big Fish is going to play their sellout yeah. record sellout. in Pittsburgh on January 11th. That song is awesome. That record was awesome. Damn, we didn't even play. Yeah. We didn't even plan that out. It Sell just happened out. that way organically, <laughs> which is fantastic. Jay, go ahead and ask yeah. our final question for Mr. Pathetic from anti Hey, Pat, we really appreciate your time, man. Before we sign off here, you know what kind of news or information about the band or anything do you got uh, for the listeners? Plug yourself a little bit. Don't be shame. Don't, don't be well, shameless. Uh, sell sell out right here uh, on the shame on the spinning I, thoughts I podcast. Will, I will. I don't have anything to say. Other that I, I've already plugged the things that Jesse told me to plug, but I will <laughs> tell you something that I that I'm proud of, and that is that um, that myself and the other guys and a lot of other people worked really hard on the um, the rock against the TPP stuff. Yes, and I'm proud to say that um, the TPP is dead. And when that's and it's a term for the Trans uh, Pacific Partnership, right. and it was a trade deal. And we did a show in Pittsburgh uh, a couple weeks ago, trying to raise awareness of it. And um, and now the people have spoken and realized that it's not a good trade deal for us or anybody else. So that has been gotten rid of, and it's no longer on the table as an option to be put into force so we can be very proud that we um that we were one of many who uh, stood up against this uh this trade deal that was not good for for people and and we've got it to go away so that's something that i'm proud of it's not something that um that i'm that i'm promoting but uh right. it's something he's going off the list of. here and it's just <laughs> And it, yeah, and it shows that um, that when people come together and we can make change that is um, that is important and can make things happen um, as an as an activist and as a punk rocker, we do a lot of things that we know will never change the world, but we feel good doing them because we think it's important and we think we need to be in the streets to talk about these issues. This was one thing that we saw as um, as not good for anybody and we spoke out about it and it organized against it and were able to shut it down. So um, that's something that we're very proud of. So Pat, uh, you know, I just want to say thank you not only for joining us on this podcast, but look, man, I mean, you're in a band that is going to be around for a long time, whether you're playing or even if you decide to stop today, um, anti-flag is going to be a voice that resonates for a long time. So thank you for what you've done for the city of Pittsburgh. Thank you for what you've done for punk rock and for music and for all those who lack a voice. Anti-Flag has definitely provided one to them and we're grateful to have you on the podcast. Um, we're really grateful to have you and and to have talked to you. Now, please hang on because we're, we're, you know, we're ending the podcast. We want to say goodbye to you off the air, but um, hey man, it's been an honor 
to talk to you. Thank you very much. Jay, you got anything else? No, thanks a lot, man. Keep rocking. Keep doing your thing. And I'm really looking forward to see what the next four years bring from Anti-Flag. Not really America, <laughs> but Anti-Flag. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys for uh, for chatting with me. And thank you for giving me a space to talk about the things that are important to me. Awesome. Everybody, make sure you check out Anti-Flag and everything that they've got going on here, their tour with Real Big Fish, they're going to be hitting up a lot of different cities throughout the country. And again, thank you, Pat, for joining us here today on Spinning Thoughts Podcast. Thank you. Once again, we want to thank Pat Thetic from Pittsburgh's own Anti-Flag for joining us here on the Spinning Thoughts Podcast. Jay, what are you thinking? Really grateful to have been here, man. I'm a huge Anti-Flag fan, so it was great to get to talk to Pat. They've been making music for almost 30 years. It's great to see him still passionate, still have a message, and it's great to hear that people are still listening. I also want to thank you, Jay, for filling in for Brandon, who clearly had something better to do today. Fantastic job. Jay is our metal guru. You can find him on a previous podcast and on future talking about everything metal. You can subscribe to the Spinning Thoughts podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Tune in. You can also follow us on SoundCloud, Facebook, and Twitter. Our website is spinningthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. Signing off from the Spinning Thoughts podcast, this is Angelo. And I'm Jay. Stay classy, Pittsburgh. Peace out.